Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. There is a Gorgon inside the box, and we want to figure out what it is doing. Unfortunately, we will turn to stone if we see her face, and she might try to make us look. Join Becca playing Vector, Jorin playing Nila, Monica playing Maxine and Tillman as the Game Master in Think Before Asking, an Eclipse Face scenario written by Anders Sandper. Please follow Twin Cities by Night on social media and consider supporting us on Patreon. Enjoy. Welcome to Eclipse Face Think Before Asking. This is another game by Anders Sandberg, written originally for first edition. I've ported it over to second edition. This game takes place in the scum swarm Phelan's Recourse. The scum basically are outcasts from the rest of transhumanity, but they still form a functional society. They're not brinkers that remove themselves completely. Usually they live in swarms, collections of old ships, broken down habitats and all that jazz, connected together somehow to form a somewhat functional collective. Um, Phelan's recourse is stationary in orbit around Saturn, and it is, in fact, a collection of broken down abandoned habitats. They are connected via these tethers, so they always move together and they have big thrusters from transport ships uh, on them to move them around if a big rock comes too close. Essentially, you are always on the brink of, well, ceasing to exist, but you always kind of manage to get by. That's the scum lifestyle, really. Uh, Phelan's Recourse, as a society, is an exciting but dangerous place. It attracts a lot of tourists who want to experience the lawlessness of the scum, do all the drugs, have all the weird sex, and experience weird morph designs. And it's also, of course, a place where lots of criminals walk around and trade drugs, essentially bringing them to more restricted habitats. So why don't you introduce your characters and how they fit into this society? Let's start with Becca. I'm playing Vector, who isn't a biomorph. She's eclectic and fits in the scum society fairly well in the sense that she's really into multiplicity. Um, She actually has an illegal or is the illegal fork of another alpha. And yeah, it's uh, very interesting in that respect. So this uh, society you live in doesn't really believe in capitalism. The autonomists, they do require you, however, to take part in society somehow. They have a reputation system, so you have to volunteer with a group or alone by yourself to do something that's useful for society, otherwise your reputation will be really low. So what would Vector's role be here? Oh, that's a really good question. Depending on the sorts of things that are here, I can see Vector being helping out with uh, maintenance of the actual habitats themselves to a degree. Uh, She's really good at robotics as well as anything that has to do with interfacing with the network. So helping out with those two things within Phelan's recourse makes sense to me. 
Yeah, that sounds good. Vector has kind of longish hair on one side, but shaved on the other because we got to go for that look. And um, I just imagine that anything like anything hardwired, she just like pulls a can kind of hook into the back of her head like that. Is there anything trying to think? Is there anything else? I think that's good. Okay. Who wants to be next? I'll go next. I'm playing Nila Reynolds today. She is a jack of all trades. So basically that's that's also her role within the station itself. She comes from the militia, was picked up by, by Firewall, and basically at first dropped into this scum area. But she found her way. It took some adjusting, but yeah, she found her, her own spin of things. She is in a biomorph, which means that she basically looks quite normal, uh, has long brown hair, uh, gray eyes. That's, that's basically Neela. All right, so I am playing Maxine Jones Parrish, a short Max. She is a mind hacker, psychosurgeon, original colonist, so she got to see the fall of the Earth. She has her original human memories, etc. She's about 5'7", dark-skinned, hair is buzz cut. She's big into efficiency. Uh, pear-shaped, a little bit heavyweight, with pleasantly plump, so to speak. Uh, everything about her is efficiency-based, no jewelry, nothing to get in her way. She just likes to get a job done and move on. By day and to assist with society, she does a lot of um, psychology work with fragmented selves and people who have had issues with reassimilating with their forks. And aside from that, she prefers to just live in a lab and try to tinker with the human brain and sort of dissect personalities and try to take science and psychology, psychosurgery to the next level. So you are all quite skilled at what you do, which is honestly a standout in the scum. So your reputation is also quite high. Some of you mentioned already, you're also all members of Firewall, uh, the group that formed after the fall to prevent it from happening again. The habitat in the swarm, Phalen's Recourse, that you stay in is called Swanskin Domino. It is a cylindrical habitat. Essentially, it's a metallic cylinder, a, a tin can, if you want. The design choice is that you can spin the tin can around this axis to create gravity on the inside as you put buildings on the, on the shell and the center of the of the can can be outfitted with an artificial uh, light source. So you have some sort of, well, ring or dome world if you want. The problem with the tin can that you inhabit right now is that it is broken. The whole spinning and gravity thing doesn't really work anymore. It was picked up by the swarm and it is now connected with tethers to all kinds of habitats and other things. So it doesn't spin anymore, hence there's no gravity on the inside. Also, this being the scum, the whole uh, habitat is kind of in a weird situation. The atmospheric generators, the air purifiers are operating at their limit. So the air is very warm and thick. In fact, you have a constant tropical atmosphere only enriched by uh, genetically altered plants that grow in 
well, microgravity. The whole habitat is overgrown in what looks like mangrove trees. Uh, since gravity is missing, trees don't really grow in one direction, but in many directions, everywhere where they can find light, essentially. They are not blocked by anything or directed in anything. So you have all kinds of like rootlets and arms reaching around. Also, someone had an experiment go out of hand. So the whole place is overrun by smart cats. They're really cute. They like to be pet, which is kind of the problem because now there's so many of them and no one is really doing anything. Your respective muses, your assistant AIs, call you up wherever you are right now that you are invited to a meeting with your firewall proxy, your contact. The meeting will take place in a virtual reality game. Okay. Uh, Vector will kind of put down whatever project she's working on for the moment. Do I have to go to a specific place in order to plug in, or can I just, there's a network, so I go to the meeting place? Either way, really. You probably each want to find like a comfortable place Virtual reality or simul space means basically lose control over your body as if you were sleeping. So you just want to find a place to strap yourself into. No gravity means lying down is kind of dangerous because you would spin around at a slow speed constantly. And if something like falls over, you could actually hurt yourself. So you probably want to strap yourself to like a cushioned wall. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. That's, um, I, I'm sure there's like a little workshop in this place that I'm in. And then I also have that kind of stuff because we know this could happen at any moment. So I imagine we all get ready to strap in and head on in. Yeah. Nila does the same thing. She closes down her workshop for the day, uh, walks to the back, straps in there. Maxine would probably be in the lab. So she would have to close that down, make sure that security is tight, and then get into her own personal room put down the smart cat that will stop following her begging for food, strap herself to a wall facing the wall, just in case the cat decides to try anything funny, you know, biting and licking and all that, and then plug herself in, get ready to go. All right. You join the game Pokemondrian. It's a competitive art collecting and trading game. It has the added side effect that the designer... Linda Echo of the Titan Autonomous University extracts data on which art periods and painters or sculptors transhumanity engages with now. Unfortunately, much of the pieces are, well, lost to the fall. Very, very few artifacts made it off Earth and they are immensely valuable. They're also really easily copied. So... Uh, there's a huge bootleg market. Everyone thinks they have an original, but no one really does. But yeah, this is virtual reality. So you can have your personal collection of all the uh, favorite painters you want. Would you actually have a favorite? Uh, what would your collection be like? I think Max would enjoy a personal collection of Salvador Dali, if art were her thing. Um, but she would look at art as a way more so to examine the hand and the brain behind the art rather than appreciating the art itself. But if she had to go with one painter, it would be Salvador Dali. If sculptures are a thing, uh, Vector would actually have several 
of the the Greek statues. I'm thinking like victory as one of them and mostly just really appreciating the effort that goes into sculpting something like that and being able to look at that when she can. Yeah, Nila is not really an art person, but she does have a couple very abstract paintings hanging on the walls. Some of them only different shades of gray, some of them different shades of red or yellow, which she mostly uses as a, yeah, I actually have a reason to be here other than what I'm actually here for. (laughs) Great. (laughs) It's like the uh, XQ studio. So you get invited by your, well, friend in this game, going by the name Maestro, to his private art collection room, essentially a private chat room. And as you click enter, you show up in a very old-looking room. The walls are pale brick with straw plastered onto them. It looks like a really crude old way to make buildings. The evening sun shines through a hole in the wall, not even a window. And the room is cluttered with all kinds of stuff, like painting material. The walls and floor are covered in like paint droplets. And you see Leonardo da Vinci painting the Mona Lisa. He himself is, of course, also covered in paint droplets. He's currently working on the moustache. But looks to you now as you have entered. Greetings. Uh, Thank you for coming here tonight. Firewall needs your assistance. I've had a team inform me from Hicks Landing Station that they have found something distressing. It seems that about five months ago, on January 6th, to be exact, sensors on Hicks Landing Station noticed that a shuttle leaving the station, was carrying what appears to be an antimatter warhead. The picture of the Mona Lisa dissolves and you see like a a scan report. It shows you a certain radiation frequency spectrum and a match likelihood to like an antimatter container. So we looked further into the issue and found that security on the station does actually have scans of the device, but we assume that the personnel was bribed into keeping it on the down low when it passed. And the details are a bit confusing and distressing. The picture dissolves again, and now you see, well, essentially a huge bomb. Well, you see, this is a standard model, really, but it is outfitted with a weird extension. It has a quantum entangled trigger, We were a bit confused because that would be really expensive to put on there. So it's now not just an expensive, but a stupidly expensive weapon of mass destruction. I've consulted with other proxies about why anyone would do this. We have a couple of theories here. So, of course, the concept of this trigger is that the the communication is faster than light. Someone will push a button somewhere in the universe and exactly in that very moment the bomb goes off no matter where it is. There's no communication delay. We also cannot tap into the communication. It doesn't travel along any wires or it doesn't send any 
light or other kinds of radiation that we could tap into and analyze. So we will never know who's behind it. This also, of course, means that this bomb could pass through a Pandora gate and be on, a, on an exoplanet very far away from our solar system. We're not sure about the motives that lead to this, but the implication is, of course, distressing enough. The shuttle that this device traveled on is called Landau Landau, and it did apparently travel to Phelan's recourse. So now I'm asking you to look into the matter. Of course, no problem. Um, any other things on what we need to be aware of? Unfortunately, that's really all I have in terms of details. I can send you the scans, of course, and the pictures of the device itself, but I'm not sure who traveled on the Landau Landau at that time. I don't have any data on that. Well, just at least send us the, the scans because it could be a start. So you want us to specifically see if we can find out who's behind all of this or just report back whatever information we find? Do you want us to try to stop it? Well, I mean, right now it's very hard to say, but of course I trust you to make judgments. I personally would very much like to avoid anyone using this kind of weapon for any reason. I'm going to be honest, it would be an extremely valuable asset to have. But yeah, of course, uh, I'm interested in who has the kind of financial background to be able to build this at all and then move it around the solar system undetected. That takes some, not just serious willpower, but criminal energy and contacts or, you know, enough money to push people to do what you want. I think... Max is looking around the room and seeing how kind of dilapidated it is and making parallels to their own tin can habitat. And in a sense, as dangerous as this is and as taxing as it's going to be on all three of us, she's excited to at least be able to see something new, something different. A bomb that, you know, has a quantum entanglement trigger that's just up her alley, but more than anything, she's looking at Neela, excited to have somebody who has some sort of knowledge of how to defend themselves on her side, because as a nerd, the, her only concern is that she's not going to get past the door without getting shot. Yeah, Neela is not really paying attention to Max, because Neela is trying to gather all this information in her head as much as possible, at least. So she is focused on uh, Maestro at the moment. Yeah, the maestro has gone back to painting the Mona Lisa, but is in conversation with you still. And he says, of course, as always, try to keep this on the down low, especially with this. We have to assume that whoever moved this bomb around has made sure no one notices. And it has worked for about five months, at least, at least for us. So tread carefully. Don't drop the information that I sent you willy-nilly to anyone out there. You never know who to trust, because if people find out, then maybe things get out of hand really quickly. Do you have any questions still? The team on Hicks Landing Station unfortunately had to move on to Iapetus. They won't be available. You can, of course, reach out to me if you need some sort of assistance. Yeah, just keep me updated if you find anything 
that seems valuable. Sure thing, we'll do. Do you two know where my workshop is so that we can meet up there before we head out? Yeah, I imagine that Vector and Nela have at least met together a few times in reality. So yeah, yeah, I can I can head there shortly. I think uh, Max is just gonna look at Vector and say, well, I'm following her, I guess. Meet you there soon. Okay. And uh, with that, Nila logs off from uh, VR and is back in the workshop. Yeah, the workshop, I mean, the art studio of the maestro disappears and you're back in your future workspace. Getting back into reality and meeting up with Max. On the way to Nila's place, I'm going to see if I can hook up to the network and find any... I'm thinking like when a shuttle comes in, there's certainly some kind of log saying, hey, this, you know, docked at such and such time. I'm going to see if I can get a hold of that kind of information or how difficult it is to even get that just to kind of know what are we working with here? All right. So looking over your sheet, I think the best way right now for you would be to use your reputation in the autonomous network. On the second page on the top of your sheet, you have a couple of reputation networks. They represent social networks. And the at rep is the one that you could use right now to like ask around uh, in this habitat that you're in and around the aut- autonomists. If they know about like docking logs, if you want to be very unspecific or if you want to drop the name Landau Landau, if they know about this ship, you heard something about it. And- can just casually ask and hope someone points you in the right direction. Okay, so I would rather go, because we're trying to be discreet, go with um, the, hey, does anybody happen to know about docking logs? I'm trying to find a specific shuttle for, I heard they had some material that I need for one of my projects. Right, so just roll me against your reputation score in the autonomous uh, social network so that is against 50. All right, 27 out of 50. Okay, so you succeed. You find there's a group within uh, your local society in this swarm. They call themselves the Traffic Control Gang. Basically, they are a group of volunteers that make sure that all the traffic inside and uh, outside the swarm is, well, orderly. So they track all the docking places, they track all the people coming in, all the ships coming in and leaving, and also all the local traffic between the habitats. And you know that in your general area, you can go to one of their meeting places, and you have been like contacted by someone calling themselves Cable, uh, who you could talk to. Okay. Then once we get to to Nayla's place, then I'll begin to start sharing that information. Max is just going to follow along with the ride with Vector. She's not much of a social butterfly. So as Vector finds this information, she's just going to stand there waiting for her to upload it and then head to Nayla's with her and see where they go from there. So Nayla, why don't you describe to us what does your your workshop or your well, workshop and living area look like? It's basically, it's built up out of two rooms. So on the front side, there is a 
garage door, basically, which if, if she opens it up, which she usually has, it opens up to her workspace with all kinds of things. So there's a bit of hardware, not too much. There is a guns area. There is some programming stuff somewhere in a different corner. She just has all these things laying around. And then in the back, there is only a curtain that separates her workspace from her dining area, which also functions as a sli- as a bedroom, which also functions as a kitchen and everything you need to live, basically. So she'll be waiting in the workshop area for Vector and Max to arrive. Yeah, space is at a premium, even like in these autonomous habitats, or especially here. So everything will be kind of crammed, and this is not out of the ordinary. One thing that you can do as long as you're close together is set up your tech net. Essentially, you can use a program that allows you to share your thoughts and even what you see and hear with other people uh, over a secure connection. Other people will maybe be able to tell that you have TechNet running, but they will probably not be able to like tap into what you're communicating or sharing. It's all silent. It's encrypted over the network. It stops working when you're very far away, or rather the delay gets kind of excruciating. Uh, but as long as you're like close together, it's a very handy thing to have. So I'd say you guys arrive. How do you plan your next actions? I'll say Max walks in, starts looking around, kind of nods to herself, acknowledging Neela's workspace slash living space up until she gets to the guns. At that point, she's she's wearing kind of like a jumpsuit. She's going to put her hands in the pockets of the jumpsuit and kind of take a sidestep as best as she can away from them as they set up their communication. And she's going to look at Vector, give her like a nod and say, hey, just make sure this thing's up and running and, you know, make sure there's nobody listening or viewing through our eyes, if you know what I mean. I know exactly what you mean. And Vector will go ahead to start the the communication between the three of us. And as soon as that's established, she starts sharing the information about what she found with the traffic control gang and our possible first lead cable. So this is this is generally the information that I found. It gives us one angle to approach this. I did my best to make it seem like I'm just looking for parts at the moment. Uh, didn't talk about a specific sh- ship or shuttle, just to give us another place. Now, do you guys have any other ideas on how we can approach this? Yeah, so Nila is, um, she is cleaning some, she was cleaning guns when you arrived and hands a couple to those that are willing to take. No, I, th- I think cable sounds good. Fire, firewall, as usual, didn't really give us much to start with. Maybe we can find out some more via them. If you have questions that pertain to your knowledge skills, you could like do research right now. You could, of course, also ask around like social networks, but as with looking for the traffic control gang, social networks can be a bit like dangerous because you you have to tell people a little, a little bit about what you want. And 
you don't always know who's listening or looking. But yeah, if you have questions that you want to be answered up front, now is probably a good time. So we don't know who built the bomb, but do we? can we find out who owns the Landau Landau? Or maybe even his old, to, what's it called, the, the, the trajectory? Uh, I think that would be covered by talking to the traffic control gang. If you want, you can try your no scum skill. Uh, that would just be a chance that you have the information already and don't have to ask someone. I think all of you have the same skill value, so it's irrelevant who does it, but I would give you the chance to like have that information for some reason. Is no scum the same as no anarchists? Not quite, but both or either would work for me. Because I don't have no scum. Yeah, true. Uh, I gave you the anarchist faction, not the scum faction, but it would work either way right now. And I think the skill value is always 30. So if anyone wants to try, go ahead. I actually passed that with a 22 out of 45. You have a crit success. Holy shit. Okay. You know about the Landau Landau. It's a really old, small shuttle. It can maybe carry like 15 people, or you know, it can carry some cargo and a few people. Obviously, by people, I mean people in morphs. It could, of course, carry many infomorphs on a server in there, but well, being such an old shuttle, it is pretty hard to maneuver. It takes an expert, really, because very little of it is automated or it's not automated very well. And the pilot is therefore pretty much constant. There's only one pilot for it. She's called Itakura Shigeme. She hangs around this scum swarm quite often. She takes the Landau Landau around from like habitat to habitat within the swarm, but also to other moons of Saturn and other stations, like probably Hicks Landing Station. You know that she is uh, extropian. This means she comes from a habitat uh, that is known to be like an anarcho-capitalist or libertarian, if you want, uh, society. So even though she hangs with the scum, she actually believes in money and capitalism. So that's kind of unusual. You're not sure how she like gets by, but it's probably like her skills in flying this thing. I would say, though, you don't know where it is right now. You don't know whether it is in the swarm or whether it is on the go, since essentially you're just going by your knowledge that you already had and you probably heard something about this pilot being kind of a, well, important, but also edgy figure in this society that doesn't believe in money. Okay. Um, I wouldn't be as lucky as to know her personally, would I? You know, maybe we can say you traveled with her. You rolled so well, you have to have had this uh, knowledge from somewhere. So you probably either came in on the um, Landau Landau and you just now remember, or you had some important gear maybe transported by her, whatever. And maybe you have dealt with her before and had to jump through all these hoops to like procure money to pay her because she... She only takes like crypto coin and not favors. Okay, cool. So 
then when a vector shares the information on uh, maybe going to cable, Nila will say, well, actually, um, I know the Landau Landau. And I even happen to know their captain a little bit, not personally well enough to contact her directly, but maybe that might help in the end. Uh, we could, for instance, say that I'm looking for a ride from, from her again. That would definitely be a good angle to take it. I do actually have a question about the device itself, especially given the size of the shuttle you've described. Is it something that could be hidden on the shuttle or is it fairly obvious? I, I don't know much about quantum entangled triggers or this massive weapon personally. So from the scans that you got, you already know this device gives off some sort of radiation that usually draws attention. I mean, radiation sensors are not that uncommon. So you're not sure how exactly, but probably people uh, needed to fast talk their way out of that somehow. Antimatter is used sometimes in power supplies or even like asteroid mining. So you just place an antimatter bomb on like a big asteroid, blow it up and then collect all the debris and smelt it. So that could be an angle, you think. You can roll me your computer science knowledge skill maybe to find out more about uh, like quantum entanglement. That's right, a success. Three out of, yeah, 80. So the key thing is uh, the communication works on paired devices. So this antimatter warhead, the trigger device on there has a matching pair somewhere else. And whenever a change happens on one of these devices, it instantly happens on the other. The problem is manufacturing these paired devices is extremely expensive. It probably dwarfs the, the cost of antimatter containers even. Um, of course, uh, the message that needs to be exchanged is very small. It's just, you know, like a detonate signal that probably drops the price a little bit because quantum devices, they are essentially paid by qubit. So by like bit of information that you want to exchange. So if the information is small, you can save money, but still the, the setup cost is still there. Uh, and of course, everything that the maestro said is true to your knowledge. So since the communication is instantly and doesn't travel along any physical medium, you cannot capture it. You cannot detect where it is coming from. You just don't know whenever it is going to happen and you will never be able to record it anyway. So even if you have the antimatter, uh, if you, even if you find it, you still won't know where the other paired device is. So you're essentially on a, sitting on a bomb that could explode at any moment and you would need to like take out the trigger mechanism. That is probably a good angle to take if you find it to take out the trigger and then, well, move it somewhere where it is more safe. Okay. Um, as Neela kind of explained that she knows the pilot, Vector will sit there for a moment and then just start doing a stream of consciousness, like everything about like, okay, so, which is what you just explained, you know, about the device and thinking, hey, you know, the pilot probably knows what it is to a degree. 
it's not necessarily some the antimatter thing itself isn't necessarily something that it could be easily hidden, but it could be explained as something different. Again, Vector kind of thinks that the pilot would at least know know that, but and then towards the the end of relaying all of that information, yeah, I, I think our uh, best angle is to just take out the trigger, Neil. Do do you think the pilot would be more involved in this other than just moving it around? I'm not sure about more involved. I'm pretty sure she knows what she's transporting. It doesn't seem like her to not know what is in her ship. And for the right price, you can move anything pretty much. With the right motivation, even even something such as this should be no problem. I think Max would be thinking more about the radiation side of it since she's into physics. I would assume that given our location in the solar system and the type of habitat that we live in, radiation is something that overall we would be keeping kind of like a log or a monitor of. And something of that size would be, if I'm not mistaken, giving out black hole levels of radiation. So something should have picked it up somewhere. Well, uh... <laughs> I'm not sure about the physics myself, but for the game, I'm going to say the antimatter is contained in like a device. The problem is it can't touch the walls of the device. So uh, basically you shoot something, I don't know, like gamma rays, let's call it that, at the antimatter and contain it in a vacuum and it can't move to not reach the edges. However, uh, the device, even with all kinds of like shielding around it, probably gives off like an, a radiation signal still um, weakened, of course, and it, it won't just like kill you instantly and make all kinds of problems, but, you know, detectable, of course, because you have the, the scan uh, results. So but what it, I'm saying is for, for the sake of the type of society we live in, one would presume that to make sure that things are in tip-top shape or at least as best as we can do given our resources, radiation would be one of those things that one would track. So therefore, just like a pilot log or a ship log, you would have, in some sense, a log of overall in your area, the types of radiation to make sure that it's not you know, destroying people in biomorphs. So would that be something that we could perhaps tap into with Vector? I would say yes. You probably have two ways to go about this. You could maybe just ask the traffic control gang whether they have tracked what the Landau Landau carries or what the ships in general carry. You would, in fact, assume they do. They do track it. They will have sensors of some sort and they will check on the cargo but you're not sure how to get to the data. Probably not, you know, always available because people sometimes want to carry things with them without everyone seeing it. But maybe you could hack into it. Could be an option. So I think that's what Max will do. She'll turn to Vector and say, well, given what Neela just explained to us, with the right amount of money, you could really move anything. Money buys motivation and certain security risks tend to fall behind when there's enough zeros at the end of a transaction. So I'm thinking perhaps there's some sort of trace radiation that this thing is given off that 
goes against our regular parameters? Is there a contact that you may have vector maybe in the traffic control gang that could give us access to that if they have it? I mean, I, I'm aware of cable and that's a, that's definitely a, a way we could go about this. Yeah, Nila or Yurin just put in chat, ask first, hack later. That's definitely something you can go for. Currently, you have a couple of options, really. You do have the contact with the traffic control gang. They will probably help you. The issue is how much you want to tell them. You could take the option to tell them everything and bribe them to not tell anyone else, in fact. You have pretty high reputation and you can use that to coerce them into not telling anyone else. In-game, that would kind of work that you make a promise to them that it is important and you will make it up to them, which you could if you say uh, this is about a weapon of mass destruction and it would use up like a major favor on your reputation table. Alternatively, you can give them like a little bit of information and tell them, hey, just don't tell anyone that would then maybe use up a minor favor or you just go in like super bland and just ask them some random questions and like spend time with them until you have hacked into their network and hope they don't notice all viable options. The complex setting of Eclipse Phase can be overwhelming if you're new to it, but we feel that it's worth it. Check out our podcasts for the games Better on the Inside, Grinder, and Body Count if you're an aspiring EP Game Master.